Welcome to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. I'm your host, Kristen Thomas. I'm a certified sex coach and clinical sexologist based in Kansas City. And I just love to talk to people about what goes on in their sex lives and relationships. I also enjoy good conversation about love, heartache, activism, or making change in the world. Be warned, you should probably be 18 and over and probably listening on your headphones. Thanks for tuning in. guest on Keep Them Coming today was my friend Katerina Guillermo. She is an artist and a printmaker, in fact, and I just adore their kinky and erotic art. Not only does she showcase a wide variety of kinks, but also a wide variety of bodies. She is passionate about learning to draw diversity that reflects our world. And we discussed representation of all bodies in art, sex work for people with disabilities, and some of the work they've been doing since quarantine began. You can actually reach out to Kat if you'd like a piece commissioned. Like a nice little piece of sexy art. I'm going to do that for sure. Kat also explained uh, the role of NFT, which is a form of basically a digital asset. It's data that's used to represent a file like a photo or a video or a piece of art. And how she's exploring its use to sell her art. I think it's incredibly fascinating and you should totally look it up, but think of it this way. It could be an absolute game changer for especially young and underrepresented artists. So much of the art world is run by rich white men. So I think it could be a very interesting way to get art in the hands of the people. For the people, by the people. Kat is also on the board of No Divide KC, which I'm a big fan of as well. You may have heard me talk about or see me online do, uh, I did an Instagram takeover for The Pitch, the weekend of No Divide KC's Queer Narratives Festival. So definitely check them out as well. You can find Kat on Instagram, that's the easiest place, at katarina.guillermo. Check the show notes for a link and go like their stuff. I was incredibly appreciative of Kat coming on and helping me keep Kinktober going. Speaking of, join me on Instagram. I will be posting tips and information about kink all month long. You can find me at OpenTheDoorsKC on Insta. Of course, I've got another workshop coming up at the end of the month. I'm going to be running my Clitoracy 102. This is for clit lovers. Now, if you have a clit, you can certainly come to this class uh, or you can buy the class so that your partner can watch it and learn a thing or two. This class is not as much about learning to please your own clitoris. This is about people who want to please a clitoris better. It's not just for, for, for dudes. This is all about closing the orgasm gap does not matter what your gender identity is or what theirs is if you have a clitoris and you want it pleased better by your partner or you are the partner of a clitoris owner and you want to please it better you should attend this class i usually do it on the last thursday of the month but i've got a really important event it's important to me uh, that i have to go to on the 28th the innovate her awards so if you're from kansas city I hope to see you there. Uh, so I'm going to be doing this on Wednesday, October 27th at 8.30 p.m. You can find it on Eventbrite or go to my social media channels, anything. I'll have posts. I'll have a link in my bio. 
and I'll also put a link in the show notes. As a listener, you can get 10% off your ticket by entering KTC10 for Keep Them Coming. So KTC10 for 10% off my workshop, Clitoracy 102 on the 27th. I hope to see you online. And even if you can't make it live, just buy a ticket and then I'll send you a video and you can watch it later. On to episode 103, Erotic Art for All Bodies. Helping me continue on with Kinktober, which is just, you know, kinky October, is a Another friend that I made through the internet, because that's the best way to make friends these days. I want to introduce you all to a local artist, Katarina Guillermo. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me here. So Kat, we're Katarina. Kat, I really appreciate you being on here. I absolutely love your art. Thank you. I, uh, with my art, it's either people really love it or really hate it, and it's like when the people really love it, I love how they get involved. And when people really hate it, it's sometimes it's a little too much, but Hey, everyone has their, you know, everyone has tastes for some reason. I just get the most vocal ones out of people. I hear you on that. It's, it's the haters that are sometimes the loudest, but also I think that sometimes the people that protest what we do are just repressing some shit. So, but tell, tell the listeners of keep them coming a little bit more about yourself, Kat. Uh, well, I'm originally from Miami. I moved over to Kansas City to go to the Art Institute. So when I was in college, um, I studied over there in college and I was doing printmaking. And printmaking is usually a medium that tends to be more inclined in spaces that are large. And when you live in the East Coast or the West Coast or any big city, having a space for printmaking is not really conducive to like bigger cities that are already Mm well-developed. So printmaking really grew and um, made a huge boom in the Midwest. Um, In particular, there was this group called, I think like the Midwest Printmakers Mm -hmm. Association. Mm -hmm. And so this was like during actually, I think either the Dust Bowl or I think it was during the depression. So people were able to like donate a certain amount of money to this organization and all these printmakers would send through the mail all these little postcard prints to each of their uh, donors so like imagine patreon back then but this was like instead cool. for a bunch of like printmakers in the midwest and some of the money that they made would obviously go to the artists and then the other part of the money would go towards helping um just the community in the midwest and a lot of the art was dealing with the midwest in the landscape so printmaking has always been kind of like this idea of like community building which I really love um and it's a very social form of art compared to like other arts where it's very like to yourself printmaking Mm -hmm. is having someone there drinking while you're printing and communicating with the other people in the studio so um it's it's just, you don't feel like you're by yourself. And I just, I don't know. It's especially with COVID that has come by doing printmaking is a little bit difficult because since if you join printmaking, you're doing it for the social aspect mm-hmm. and when you take away the social, you have to find new ways to combat that. And making friends online is one way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and what I have seen of your art has a very specific focus. And as a sex coach, I was drawn to it because a lot of it is uh, kinky or erotic. So have you always been into drawing 
like bodies or I mean artists usually start young so it's not like I'm expecting to be like yeah when I was five I was drawing boobs but maybe you were I don't know uh but tell me a little bit more about what got you into your your niche um so with my specific niche it kind of started off as a joke um it it was like when I was in college and this was when I was in printmaking I had to come up with a new print for the deadline that was for our little um, review with all the classmates and I didn't have work done. So I was really frustrated. And then I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to make a print of a rabbit dildo. And I'm just going to draw that and print out a bunch of copies because I think that's hilarious. And so I made a bunch of them and mind you, like, even though I was doing this at the same time, when I was in studio, I'm a very like open person. I like having conversations about sex and about like sex positivity kinks and like helping people kind of figure that stuff out already, which was already natural to me. And I was like that person. And even in high school where people would come out and be like, Kat, I'm kind of into this. Do you think that that's weird? And I'm like, no, I already found like 20 videos of it on some (laughs) porn site. So no, you're not alone. There's a name for it, actually. And um, so as I kind of kept making that work in college, it um, only progressed more. And it was like, you know what? I'm already interested in this. Might as well keep going with this theme of sex and um, just kind of like self-discovery and positivity. Mm -hmm. So what the irony of this is, is that coming from a very Catholic Hispanic family, my family did not want to talk about sex. Everything that I knew about sex was by myself via figuring out on the internet or uh-huh. porn videos, which as we all know now, that's not an accurate representation of sex. Correct. <laughs> but you're, you're like a lot of kids with a religious upbringing or this conservative upbringing that if we just don't talk about it, then we don't have to worry about our kid like getting into the wrong things. No, your repression is quite literally the biggest issue. It's not about what your kid's going to learn about. It's not about what your kid's going to end up figuring out that they are into. Like exposure to those things out in the world about sex and bodies don't turn us weird or kinky. Like we're already innately that person. Like our kinks and stuff like that develop when we're pretty damn young. Actually, I learned about this today. Usually the age when people start figuring out what they might be into sexually tends to be about eight years old. Yep. Eight to 10 years old. And so how are you going to predict what your child might get into at eight to 10 years old? I mean, I've heard, how many times have you heard from somebody on like Twitter or TikTok or anything else being like, yeah, my sexual awakening was watching Mufasa from The Lion King. Like, that's weird. How do you explain that to a child being like, that might not be what the average person's into, but I guess that's yours. Oh yeah. I had a friend who realized that she was into bondage when she realized how much she loved Wonder Woman, why she loved Wonder Woman. That's great. I love that. Yeah. Maybe so, she was Wonder Woman doing that to her. And mm-hmm. she was, why? Yeah, there's, there are just experiences that kids have that make them go like, oh, that was, that was kind of fun. Cops and robbers is often the example that they use. I think they use it specifically in that study that often people who are more dominant wanted the cop role and people who are more submissive wanted the, the robber role, like the, to be caught, to be 
bound up or handcuffed and things like that. Those proclivities are just manifestations of one day what we're going to enjoy. I think that's so awesome. I really do. I think that's so awesome, but it's kind of scary to parents. And again, they get into this mindset of like, if we just don't expose them to anything sexual, they're not going to get into kink and they're not going to get into weird shit. Nope. It's going to happen anyway, if they're going to get into it. Yeah. I mean, even people are into like sort of that weird, like, Ooh, sexy pastor. He cannot be into me, but he could, he's so hot and like unavailable. Have you seen Fleabag? No. What is that? Uh, It's a, is it on Hulu? It's um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Is that her name? British actress. But yes, she falls in love with a priest. That's kind of sounds cute. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's her. She literally is like, oh, fuck, I fancy a priest. What am I going to do? <clears throat> yeah, a lot of, lot of fun little tropes played out in that one. <laughs> but even, even if it's not kinky, just, you know, some of your art is simply the human form. Mm-hmm. they're not all bodies that we see in media which i love you have diverse bodies you have diverse kinks on here like i'm seeing a lot of really fucking fun stuff. and some of it's just a, a body a form you can't even tell what size it is it's just a human body and i love that because i think in some art there's still way too much focus on making it a slender body cut muscles you know there's no fluff and most of us have something going on with our bodies that aren't what we see on those photoshopped media, you know, pics. So thank you for showing diverse bodies. I appreciate that. Honestly, you don't have to thank me. I was inspired by even artists online. And I would say that this has been kind of like a movement I've seen for, I think, don't quote me on this. I've seen a lot of it happening since the past six years. It was not as common because I started with one image in college where it was just like a torso of like an imperfect body with like uneven boobs. And then as that goes more, I started seeing more artists do it. So I started being more encouraged to do that. And I feel like we have all kind of evolved and we have now gotten to like social media and we see more different types of cultures and people to be drawing the same white slender bodies. We're done. That's over. We, we should be, thank you. (laughs) We should force ourselves, even if we don't know, even like the same thing, like I need to start learning more how to paint people with darker skin complexions as mine. We should not be painting their palms the same as what the top of their skin is because there is a distinction between the two. Mm-hmm. So I think we have gone past that. We need to learn how to draw diversely, just like how our population is. Absolutely. Even like you said there, that maybe sometimes the person you're going to draw doesn't have even sized breasts. Maybe they have a little third nipple and you show that. Maybe they've got full bush. Maybe they've got a C-section scar. Like there's so many things that people neglect to depict in art because it's one thing to have it on a a picture of a body I guess like there's definitely some marketing and advertising campaigns that you just can't hide like scars or different things but you have to choose to draw that you have to choose to draw the thing that's different about this body and I don't know do you think that there's something slightly different about those two mediums Um, Like photography versus like printmaking or like sketching and painting. 
I think it's really hard to not to say that it's hard and it's impossible, but it's really difficult to try to change what is already an extreme established sort of mindset in photography, especially when it comes to like published media. Because published media is overly, overly photoshopped. But now I've even heard where there's people and there's certain like photographers where you could pay them to edit your photos in a way that still looks realistic, where you can still see the pores, but there's like, you know, some changes to it where it might be like, if you're like a little insecure about one mole here, they'll be able to kind of blur that out, but you would still see your skin as skin. You'll still see your wrinkles. You'll still see some of that. Mm -hmm. It's just like the, like how you view makeup, like a more, a highly advanced version of you in a photo form because even then still photographs are not good on its own you still need that editing whether it's the lighting or Mm -hmm. the person might look like they got a lazy eye going one direction or maybe you want to keep it I don't know but at the end of the day nobody's perfect right off the bat and sometimes it's okay to edit but when you start morphing people into like impossible versions of themselves then you know you start feeling insecure Mm -hmm. and that's not right and we should be okay to acknowledge it. People have cellulite. People don't have, you know, full formed bodies. Some of them are missing legs. And I'm starting to considering using even that trope. I haven't done that yet, mm-hmm. where I'm like depicting people with disabilities who don't have, you know, like how we are lucky to still have our hands and legs, not everyone else's. And we should be depicting those bodies because those bodies still experience sex and kink the same way we do. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm thinking about even to depict someone in like a wheelchair uh, or things like that, because there's a definitely a guy here in town that's an advocate, um, Wes Hamilton. He'd been on Queer Eye, uh, and he's got his disabled but not really organization. And I've really been wanting to talk to him because sex and disability are so highly taboo in our society. That there's something almost incredibly off limits to even bring it up and some people's minds and I think that it's just ridiculous (laughs) first off that we can't just have a conversation about it I mean if someone is still a consenting adult it doesn't matter if they have a disability they're still a consenting adult and we should be able to talk about things like kink and disability or BDSM and all the things Someone that's got a disability isn't any less likely to want to experience the full range of sexual desire as compared to an able-bodied person. Absolutely. Um, there was like, I think, uh, a video I saw once uh, where it was a person describing how important like even sex workers are for people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. Because when you have a disability, you might be less chosen in a group of you know possible partners. So this one guy was showing how he can barely move his entire body, but he would order um, somebody from like a, from like, a, I forgot what it's called, an organization. And this was in Canada. So they had like these groups. So he, he would uh, request someone to come over his house. And this person was purposely trained to have sex with people with disabilities. Like it was this particular organization that assisted people who were not able-bodied. And he was like, I enjoy it. I love sex. And it's sad that people are trying to criminalize sex work because sex work provides even that service to people who are 
not to say the unwanted, but I guess like it's sad to say that, but it's like the people that they don't, the general public does not want. Doesn't mean that they're not capable of being loved, but you know, they should still find that access. Yeah. And I think that, I think a big part of what stops able-bodied people from dating disabled-bodied folks is part of it is the worry about their sex life. And I know I've had conversations with people who are like, well, what if they've got, you know, intellectual disabilities? I'm like, that's different. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking about someone who can't mentally consent to something. I'm talking about an adult who maybe has Parkinson's or who's been in a car accident, or you don't know. There's so many ways that people can become disabled. So yes, if, if they are not with a partner, which a lot of them don't have partners, uh, for various reasons, but, and even sadder to get into is that some of them can't get married because they'd lose their disability benefits. Cause then they'd have too much income in the household. What? Like, let's not no, even get into wow. that conversation, right? That a lot of disabled people don't get married simply because they would lose benefits. Yeah. I've also heard that some of them can't even have babies because they think that, um, that they would like cause problems within the family. So it's like almost like eugenics in a way where if somebody were born with like a disability that like a neural disability, they can't have kids now. Now you can't tell me mm-hmm. that I can't yeah. produce. How do you know? That's like a one in five chance. Mm-hmm. How do you know my child won't end up fine? Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I think that is getting into a whole other level conversation about choosing what our population looks like. And People with disabilities, there's not, there's nothing wrong with them. They are just a little different than the average. We're all on a bell curve here, okay? Like, they don't have everything that everyone else has, but that doesn't mean they don't deserve all the things everyone else gets, including a great sex life, a wonderful partner, and kids, if that's what they want. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So... I know we kind of got off on a tangent from the art there talking about drawing differently able bodies or things like that. But yeah, I think that, uh, well, maybe I can get you a model or two, <laughs> uh, that might want to pose for something like that. But I mean, I'm always willing. I'm, I love having people like want to model for me or want to be a muse of some sort. Like even, um, during quarantine, I was asking people outright being like, I will draw you. And most of the people who were wanting me to draw them were sex workers or were pole dancers and they asked me can you use this drawing and I drew them and um, they're on my Instagram and if you see them some of them have like COVID pun pickup lines mm-hmm. I see like if COVID yeah. doesn't take you out can I yeah <laughs> and I like offered them with the quote without it and some of them usually still kept it but they were nice enough I didn't ask them for money they still donated but I just wanted to draw people because I missed that I missed like I said I missed that social aspect in art. Is this one them with a strap on on or just supposed to be with a dildo in front of them? That is a strap on. Yeah. Sweet. Okay. (laughs) I love that you drew someone with a strap on on. I like that. I really do like that piece. That's nice. Well, and if you're listening along and you're curious what we're talking about, you can hop on Kat's Instagram right now. Give them your Instagram handle real quick. So it's Katerina, K-A-T-E-R-I-N-A dot Guillermo, G-U-I-L-L-E-R-M-O. 
lovely yes hop on there and take a look at uh it's i mean it's your stuff is hot and uh i i definitely would like to own some of your art because i i'm ready to plaster my walls oh okay you did like the butt dildo with the foxtail on it yes. yeah i still have that print here Um, and that I was also doing during quarantine when I was, um, I used to stream on Twitch. I don't anymore because of time, but I was having fun. So that was also another way of trying to find, you know, community within art was me trying to make art while people were there, Mm -hmm. just talking to them if they showed up. And, um, I'm sure it's probably because Twitch didn't know what I was doing because I wasn't that like, you know, popping, but I was, you know, particularly just carving that and people would just would laugh about it and be like, oh, we're just waiting for you to see if, how long you can get away with it. And I'm like, I didn't say anything outright that it's sexy or kinky work. They come in, they find out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is Twitch's rule? Or do they have rules and terms and conditions, I guess, around what you stream? No nudity, um, even though you see some of the hot tub streamers and you're like, that bikini is a little tiny and close to being nude, but Hey girl, if you're going to make that cash, make that cash happen. Mm-hmm. So I can't blame them. Even like, Oh, there's this, there's a few streamers that do like ASMR kink where they'll start licking the inside of like the ASMR ears. Okay. Uh-huh. And, um, they just go crazy donating off of that. <laughs> it's, it's very weird. Um, I did spend like, I will not, I'll admit I'll spent 10 minutes just staring at being like, this is off. And mind you, that's how I felt like watching like a lot of like kink videos or porn videos being like, this is very weird. Even my introduction to kink was like a very obscene obtuse version to kink. So I found. Do tell, do tell. (laughs) So my way of finding into kink was getting into this like type of porn called like machine fucking porn where you see the girl having like masturbating with like a machine that was like man-made and they're just going at it and i was whether it's like at the end of a drill or it's the the seat to the chairs or it's the like yeah whole machine that's behind her that's yeah fucking in and out Mm -hmm. and so seeing that i was like wow this is like I'm just impressed by the craftsmanship of this, but at the same time, what is this? And so it started giving me like other recommendations and I started seeing people like getting tied up and doing other forms of kink where it's like dom and sub. And I'm like, okay, I think I kind of like this more than that. That was interesting because it was weird. This is what I'm more into. I kind of like this. This is what I want. And so then even while I was learning about it, I started using that more in my art. So it was like every single time I learned something new within the art realm, um, I mean, sorry, within the kink realm, I would put that in my art mm-hmm. and that would be like the new topic of the day. Um, or if I wanted to, you know, start kind of start poking and prodding stuff that was bothering me from my past in regards to my sex life, mm-hmm. I would use that in my art. So like my art has been my therapy has been my research project has been kind of like the thing that pushes me to learn more. That's like what my podcast has been that every time I like a conversation came up, especially if it came up multiple times with people be like, Oh, I definitely need to do a show about this or something new had come up that a client brought up and I had to do some more research for them. I'm like, might as well make a show about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, you sound a lot like me in that regard that, you know, just kind of get that inspiration and got to make something with it. Mm-hmm. 
And now my new thing with art is that I've been getting into kind of like that crypto art with the NFTs. So here's something cool that I learned on that. I thought that was only exclusively art. It seems that it has definitely blown up past. Oh, my boyfriend was telling me about this. The NFT. Yes. Explain, explain that whole thing. Yes. So where some people are like, why am I paying money for like a picture on the internet? It's actually attached to like lines of code. So that line of code has value, which is why we have like these tokens and whatnot, whether it's like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Tezos, and all of those have different values throughout the internet. And where the value comes from is people, you know, bringing them in and out. Mm -hmm. And so what the benefit of it is that you're not, you know, this money is not based off of any kind of government or any centralized form of like centralized currency yeah centralized currency this is all based off of people and the community within the internet anyone can have access to this which is why people are looking into it more and more i mean like you know what this government doesn't know what they're doing with their money we're just going to put our money where everyone has access to it at any time and what's also good about too is that there's transparency where this money is heading off to there is no this money disappears Mm -hmm. the money has a line Mm -hmm. where so where it's really cool is that um when you buy this art you have this line of code and that code has value so not only do you have access to this image you have access to this valuable line that will Mm -hmm. can uh, appreciate or depreciate because just like art that you know can fluctuate so even though like the token can go down the art can go up and so you can still flip it and make profit off of it Mm -hmm. And, and it, is this specific to like digital art? It doesn't have to be. There's okay. people who do performance. Mm-hmm. There's people who do music, people who create um, fashion. And what's really cool, I've also been seeing too, is sex workers have been getting involved in that. So people can sell ah. their like sexy photos onto the blockchain, which they can even like flip that for more. And what's cool about that too, is that now with this digital art, there's that secondary market and if and if you put in the line of code that you want 10% of whatever that person gets from getting that profit, it will come automatically to you. Oh my God, that could be an absolute game changer for sex workers that create online content because that is one of my biggest problems. And that's why there's, I think, been so much conversation around ethical porn that it's not only about making sure that everyone is consenting and of age and all that stuff, I have a big problem with watching free porn and not knowing who's making the money off my view. Yeah. You know, that, that maybe that porn, that amateur porn, especially was stolen. That person was doxxed. That thing was released by the ex-boyfriend and now he's just making money off of it. And she's not getting a dime. Like I'm not okay with that. I want the people who filmed, who were on camera, who did the lighting, who did this, that whatever, who anyone who was involved in that production I want them getting the money. And what's really good about that too is that since it's not even, you can have it put onto a platform, but if they want and if they're really like tech savvy, they don't even have to have it attached to any platform like OnlyFans or Patreon. They can just sell it off their own website and the money is not even within its own, you know, the centralized currency. It's on its own other currency. So they can't say shit. You could be like, I have my server booked over in Dubai and I'm making money off the internet and I can still cash it out. So fuck you. I'm going to find a way to make that money one way or another. 
Damn, I love it. Sex workers are some of the most inventive people on the planet. Honestly, they are the people who are always the innovators within some new technology. Oh, this new technology. Oh, 100%. How can I get into it? 100%. My very first episode was, um, have you ever tried VR porn? And that was something that me and my friend Steven talked about, that with every kind of evolution in technology, especially over the last 30, 40 years. I'm going to have sex with it. <laughs> it's that, or it's been, it's taken off because of porn or sex work. Mm-hmm. Like the reason that we went with VHS instead of laser disc was the porn industry. Really? The reason that our phones, the video technology started amplifying or ramping up so quickly at once we had it, it was like, we went from within a few short years of having really, really shitty grainy videos on these tiny little screens to having like HD quality. That was because of the porn industry. So you gotta, you gotta give it up to these sex workers. They're mm-hmm. rounds everywhere. Yeah. Even the internet took off yeah. because of porn. Have you seen that movie with Luke Wilson? It was all about the beginning stages of online porn. No, please say what's the name of it. Oh, fuck. What was that movie? I'll have to look it up or something, but maybe I'll look it up for us on the break. Uh, Speaking of, let's take a quick break. And then when we pick back up, we can talk a little bit more about, again, about your erotic art, also a little bit about censorship. And I want to know more about what you do with No Divide KC and what they do here in town. It's time for a quick break. I promise it'll just be a minute, so stay tuned. I'll be right back after a few words that help me get paid. Well, back from the break, I did find the movie. It's called Middlemen. And then what was the name of the documentary that you were talking about? The documentary is called Hot Girls Wanted. That was by Rashida Jones, right? Yeah, and they have a sequel called uh, Hot Girls Wanted Turned On, which deals more with, like, the webcam aspect and mm-hmm. the digital aspect of, like, sex work. Yeah, that, that Hot Girls Wanted was definitely a difficult one to watch, and that's probably why I didn't finish it, because I was just like, oh, I just can't, I just can't, like... You see, he's watching sexual slavery in, in action, basically. Um, yeah, but that movie Middleman was about the guys who founded the very first paid porn site and just how much money they made and then more money more problems you know like shit hit the fan after that for them personally but it is based on a true story so uh but you know i think pornography is right now the closest that we can get to the legalization or decriminalization of sex work you know it's one of the few things that people can do as sex work and not immediately worry about the police knocking down their door or hauling mm-hmm. them off to jail. Um, but I do look forward to the day where sex work is completely decriminalized in our country and worldwide, honestly. Um, I have seen in some, I would like to say Swedish countries that they have like drive-in sort of like sex <laughs> stalls or in the same place where you can drive in and have sex with this person in the same respect, they have an on-call uh, doctor and also a therapist on-call. So all in that little like kind of drive-in place, they had all this stuff. And I'm like, wow, that's really great. You don't really think about having a therapist on-call. You think about a doctor, but not so much of that. 
And then they said that by doing this, they realized that there has been less crimes with people, you know, trying to, you know, like sexual assault was not as big of an issue as that. Mm -hmm. And that's also like another thing people don't take into consideration. Sex work decreases that. Now, the decriminalization of sex work decreases violence against sex workers. Absolutely. Because when it is criminalized, the sex worker has nowhere to go to report it if there's violence or they're robbed or you know, their customer just doesn't pay. Yeah, they've got nowhere to turn when and when simply standing up for themselves would get them thrown in jail too. Yeah, and it's it's a shame. Yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, Caitlin Bailey and their work with the Old Pro Project um, and Pucks of Plenty that helps out with them as well. Actually, they were in my last. Well, Pucks was in my last pitch article talking about the OnlyFans debacle. But yeah, if you don't follow the Old Pro Project or listen to Old Pro Podcasts, it's all about sex work, being pro-ho, um, but ac- actually about like action, you know, taking action to help change the narrative around sex work. So definitely check them out. Now with your work, I mean, we all know that you're not allowed to show a human female nipple on instagram but do you get much pushback with your art and censorship on that since it's illustrations um so i haven't personally i have been told by others that especially if they have a bigger audience there will be people that will purposely seek out your work to ban it off of instagram or any other social media site that might be a little bit off about sex work or any kind of nudity involved, which is weird because there is bigger time influencers who do have OnlyFans, who do have these pages that are constantly okay and applauded for having their bodies out there. But Mm -hmm. the moment that some smaller business or somebody who is selling their services is doing the same thing, they get knocked off so quick. Yeah. That's the thing that really bothers me about some of the censorship is that it is more about that person's following and reach and that there's a double standard. I love seeing Cardi B doing her thing. I love seeing Megan Thee Stallion. Like, it's okay. Give me Lizzo. Give me all the twerking, all the big boobs, all the bikinis. I don't care. I want to see it. But I want to see that for anyone and everyone out there that's of age to put themselves on the internet. Like it shouldn't matter if you have 50 followers or 50,000 or 500,000 followers, there should not be different levels of censorship based on your following count. And not just following even sometimes body types, because Mm -hmm. there has been plenty of times where I have seen someone plus size that would post a picture of them in a bikini and they will get their stuff taken off because it's too explicit but their other compart like friend who's white, thin, and able-bodied, they're like, no, that's fine. You, mm-hmm. it's too much. It's too sexual. Just by a change of skin tone, by the change of a body type, it's it's really absolutely unfair. And then you're wondering what are, what is Instagram really trying to censor? What are they? Who are they really trying to protect? You know, it's very it's- good question. Very good question. Mm. I'm at a point where I have actually a little bit more leeway on Instagram, it feels like right now than I do on TikTok, but I think that's just because people keep reporting my shit on TikTok, but 
uh, yeah, I've been doing Kinktober on <laughs> Instagram and just posting words, not like images. It's doing like infographics basically about kink and we'll see how long they last. Hey, if anything, you just make another account and just keep doing it. That's all that matters, you know? Yeah, I'm already on my second Instagram account. Oh, oh second Instagram? Really? Yeah, I, I don't know what happened. I lost my Instagram account in like 2019, I think it was, 2018. I lost it after, yeah, I think it had to be in 2018, I think. Well, anyway, point being, I lost it after Global Entrepreneurship Week one year, and I think I know what happened. I think someone fucked with my stuff. So if I ever get any proof that this person did this, I'm going to sue her ass. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I wonder if it's the same, if it, the same person is doing stuff to me on TikTok, but yeah. I mean, you'd be surprised. People do have those grudges and which is weird, you know? Oh yeah, this bitch has got a grudge for sure. Although like, I have talked about her before too. It's not that I have a grudge. It's just that I'm tired of her popping up and ugh. Yeah. Either way, yeah, uh, one of those people who is just like people just haven't all figured. Some people have figured you out, but not everyone has figured you out yet. And when they do, like, you're not going to be quite so high and mighty anymore, Missy. <laughs> I try not to think about that too much, just because I also have people that don't like me or I don't like others. But I try not to interact with it because that's bad karma. I don't want that. I know. I try to remind myself of like, just put out the good karma. Like, I don't wish ill for her. I just want people to see her for who she is. That's fair. And I often don't wish anyone ill will or bad things. I just wish them mediocre. Mediocre is probably the worst because at least with something bad, if you wanted, you could publish a book. If there's nothing going on, <laughs> you're bored. You're so I, bored them to be in the medium place with a life of oatmeal <sighs> i don't want i don't wish them good because i feel like that's lying like i can't actually wish you something good because you're just fucking awful to me but i also don't want to wish you bad because it is bad karma but i feel like just wishing them a life of medium like it's just neutral for me but maybe that is still bad karma i don't know i'll find out in the end Ah, <laughs> yes. uh, let's see here well, I'm glad to, to know that you're not at a point where you're having to worry about facing censorship and things like that. So obviously we are, I'm not going to say we're at the end of the pandemic, but things are shifting, mm -hmm. you know, who knows what the winter will hold for us, but, you know, currently you're, you're getting into the NFT and the, the art space that way, but what, what are sort of your, your plans as the world continues to, to shift? So um, ideally, if like to say next year, everything disappears and we're all fine. Mm -hmm. um, I would love to do an installation of all the work that I've been doing all through COVID because that's what my work has been is like, I love installations. And now that I'm like trying to push myself to do more and more art and putting myself into more shows, my end goal is for that installation. And what's good about even that digital art is that ability of people who don't have access to be in said location, have access to it in a digital format. And that's cool. And just, just that ability of like getting to, you know, 
finally get in touch with people and talking with people because that was also a heavy inspiration for my art was talking with people with their own experiences with sex because my art and my main mission is that when you come to a show or you see my work that you come out either feeling more educated about something you didn't know feel like you have been seen and heard because if i saw my own art if i was you know in another person's body i guess i would be like wow thank god someone's making art about this i feel great knowing that you know someone's putting the message out there because i just don't want to feel alone in my thoughts and my ideas about sex anymore yeah that that really is important absolutely um i had an author on here before it was a romance author sierra simone and it was something that she touched on that while you as the artist or the writer don't have to be the one that's had this experience or has this body, you do have a duty to represent something that's outside of you and to give it justice. So, you know, cause it's up to people who are out in the world, making things to show something besides themselves. So you're doing a great job with that. And it is important to the people who are viewing your art to see themselves depicted in art, not, not just the status quo. I think we've, like I said, we've grown, grown beyond that. We have already reached perfection. Now let's go for reality. Let's stop trying to be this idealized version like we kept trying through all the 2000s. I think we need to stop. Yes. Yes. Also, I do love your sketch that you did of Divine, <laughs> especially because it's from Pink Flamingos. I loved, I love Pink Flamingos. I, for those that are not familiar, Pink Flamingos is a John Waters film and it's got a <laughs> pretty, a pretty insane plot line. And then, yeah, there, there is a scene where there's uh, some, some fecal matter getting consumed. Murder, fecal matter, and absolute debauchery. Mm -hmm. That's the mm -hmm. only way you can ever have a divine John Waters collaboration. Have you also watched the divine documentary? I haven't seen the documentary, um, but I, I will have a, a story. So I did show my partner Female Trouble. That was his first mm -hmm. divine movie. And he was like, wow, this, I've seen the other John Waters movies, but this, this is a lot. And I'm like, but it's perfect. It encapsulates everything that John Waters wants to do with his films, which is show the grimy, the dirty, and make it the beautiful and the desired because all his characters want to be the opposite of what the mainstream is. And that's his idealized world is the imperfect getting the highlights because even his actors are not all perfect shaped persons they mm -hmm. all have like disabilities and some deformities here and there and they're shown a light on yes. sometimes even given like the leading role yeah I love the way that you put that I've always been a big John Waters fan and there's definitely people who are like oh what I'm like just, you just don't even understand just don't even understand so you sum that up beautifully I'm not like I didn't ever study art or say film or things like that so You've got all those beautiful words probably from art school that helped you be able to like dissect that. Love it. Love it.
Art school just lets you have a degree in knowing how to bullshit your way. <laughs> I'm sure. Yes, that's what some of my art friends have said. But uh, yeah, they're, one of my dearest friends was a photography major. And some of the ways that she describes things, I'm just like, the, the fuck did you pull that from? Oh, yeah, wait, that's probably your, your art background. Yes. <laughs> but I still love hearing it. Um, speak, speaking of art, you were on the board for No Divide KC, right? Yes, I started um, becoming part of the board during quarantine. Mm -hmm. I was really wanting to be a part of like some group that was making a change through um, the city and No Divide was offering open, you know, open volunteers. And I'm like, I want in, let me in. I want to be a part of something different to help out the community. And No Divide is that place. and we have done a lot of awesome events. Recently, mm-hmm. we had just finished Queer Narratives, which was- That was so time. much fun. It was. And um, for anyone who was not there, it was essentially just two nights. And um, well, actually, it was a whole week. We had it over at the Black Box, which was in the West Bottoms. And we had a whole week where during the week, there were little like workshops. Um, there was one concert on Monday to kick it off with the Black Creatures. And then the weekend, which was the main like meat and cheese of the whole situation was like all the performers and all the artists were all put on display for these two nights and you got to see them just do their thing in all their glory, no censorship of needing to like mm-hmm. not be too queer enough, not yep. be too much enough. They were fully themselves and it was great to see that. It really was so beautiful. Like I, my partner and I, we had a blast. That was the thing that really struck me too, was I'm sure there are so many places that these artists have been or performed where maybe they had to submit what they were going, going to, you know, talk about beforehand and been told like, no, this this isn't the right venue. Or can you tone that down a little bit? And I even saw and appreciated how I felt like I was getting no filter whatsoever from them and their experiences and their spoken word, their songs, all the things. There was a wonderful variety of art that night. So that was, that was awesome. Physical art where it was like people really getting to showcase themselves in a very like honest way. Mm -hmm. And I think that that show was really like a good way to highlight what we do We also have done other events where it was like stories under the stars, where um, at the park, we had invited a bunch of like homeless um, activists and also people who had been homeless, talk about their experiences and their stories of how they got there and like how easy it is to end up in that place of poverty and how shitty the system is in America that we, you know, don't assist these people. And it's, it really just takes one small slip for you to end up in poverty. I don't know how many times I've seen even videos on the internet about somebody saying like, yeah, I got kicked out yesterday and now I'm homeless on the street and I just have to figure out how to live now. And, and it's hard because when you get to that point, low point, it's hard to build yourself back up, not only confidence wise, but monetary wise. And I, think that all too often it falls upon the arts community to shine a light on what's going on with social justice and homelessness and 
queer rights, all, all the things. Art is so integral to helping move social change along. So mm-hmm. I think No Divide is pretty cool. And I'll just read a little bit from the website. It says that No Divide Casey partners with Kansas City-based artists and organization to create artistic events that are focused on the stories of the underserved and misrepresented communities in Kansas City. That, yes, I mean, like, y'all are rad. <laughs> I like you guys. <laughs> Definitely one of the organizations that I have been really, really happy to learn about over the past couple of years. So now you all have a end of the year party coming up, right? Yes. So um, I believe it's the 17th of November, and we're going to have it at Seven Swans uh, Crepery which is over, I believe, by the West Side, if I recall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, like Washington. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, um, there is tickets because it is, um, it is our end of the year fundraiser to, you know, raise funds to be able to put on these shows again, to put on these other bigger performances and to eventually get Stacey and Emily, who are the two people who created, um, the organization, this wonderful couple that just after the Trump election, they decided, you know what, we need to do something right now. We can't sit here doing nothing. And Mm -hmm. I'm glad that they felt that need within themselves. Mm -hmm. And so by donating and being, you know, coming to our organizations, you are helping that dream to become a reality for not only them, but for the artists who have a space for just themselves, you know? So, um, come out don't you know feel feel free to be yourselves in our place we we want you to be welcomed you know yeah absolutely I actually ran into Stacy and Emily the other day when I was uh out on a patio having sushi yeah and also I have to give a shout out to Tanith which Tanith is mm-hmm. like, she's heavily integrated within our group because she's la she, she's our social media she's now our vice president and everything that you see graphics wise within uh no divide they're the ones who did it nicely done tanith yes well before we wrap up this evening is there anything else that you'd like the folks to know about yourself i mean of course i'm gonna give you a second to plug like how to get a hold of you or how to how to buy your art online or in person or anything like that but yeah anything else that you want to leave the audience with for the evening um, right now, I do not have any art for sale. Um, hopefully, by middle of the month, I will be starting to sell that digital art that I've been mentioning. Um, I have other social media accounts, which is my Twitter at cat, K-A-T underscore Guillermo, G-U-I-L-L-E-R-M-O. Um, and and my Instagram again, which is katarina.guillermo. And those, I think, are like the two main ones. <laughs> if, <laughs> if there's other ones, they're on the link tree on both those main social media accounts. So, yeah. Um, but thank you so much, Kristen, for having absolutely, me Absolutely. Absolutely. I really, like say, I admire you as an artist. I admire some of the work that you're involved with in, in the community with No Divide. I think you all are a great organization. And I think that... I don't know your exact age, but I know you're obviously younger than I am. And I just want to say that I, as a 40 year old person, I really appreciate that some of the shifts that we are experiencing, especially in our social conversations around sex and bodies and sex work and all these things, the driving force behind this is folks that are your age. 
And I love and appreciate that because there is something about how you all were able to just at a younger age adapt that like I give no fucks attitude about what people think about what I like or what I want. And I'm in that sandwich generation where we were still given a lot of socialization about how we should behave. And maybe y'all got that too. And you just got over it faster. I don't know what it is, but I love how queer the kids are these days and how accepting they are of their kinks and of other people. And oh, the younger generation, your generation is giving me a lot of hope. So thank you. I wouldn't say my generation because I'm a millennial. So I'm still part of that. Entire- Aren't you on the lower end of millennial though? I'm pretty much as the cutoff, but I will say I'll give it all to Gen Z. Gen Z is really the activist generation that's going to push everything that we knew back then out the fucking window and we need it. We're t- I'm done. Let's take out all these dusty ass old men in Congress, kick them out. We need diversity. We need yes. people who relate to us. We don't need another rich man who was paid with mommy and daddy's money to go to Yale. We need somebody who's been through it. AOC, she was working as a waitress going to college. She's been through it all. Mind you, she makes good money now, but it took her a long time to get the accolades where she's at. And you have to give it to that woman. Yes. And I think we need more people like us running for office. They were talking about that at the Women's March last weekend. We, they, need, they need us to not just be online and be having these conversations, although that is important. But we, we need more of us to run for office. And if we can't run for office, we need to be on the ground, getting more politically involved, either calling, donating, volunteering time, door knocking, getting the word out somehow, some way, shape or form for great candidates too. So, but anyway, I'm just so thankful that changes are afoot. I feel like they're coming. (sighs) We're going to have a more sex positive future come hell or high water, in my opinion. It has to happen. There's no, (laughs) there's no if and or buts. I just refuse to believe that we'll never improve. Yeah. There is, in my opinion, no sexual liberation without social, racial, and economic justice. We can throw reproductive justice in there too. So, yeah. yeah. So thank you for being out there and being a part of that. I I don't think that I'm doing much, but the small little bit that I can, that's all I, you know, aim to do. That's all we can do. Do our, do what we can for now and then just keep on going, bringing more people in to the fold. So keep it up. Well, thank you again, Kat, so much for being on. Keep them coming. I wish you all the best. And hopefully very soon I can have one of your prints right back here on my wall. I will definitely give you one. If you want, I will model you. If you model for me, I'll send you a piece of art customized. You said you took those boudoir photos. I would love to give you like a print of you and your partner or just you yourself. Okay, so his birthday's coming up. So yeah. Or Christmas, I can always do it for no time crunch there because his birthday is actually kind of soon. But yeah, oh, okay, I'll be in touch for sure. Okay. All right, have a good one. Thanks for listening to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. Please rate, subscribe, and share this podcast and check the show notes for stuff we talked about during the episode. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Clubhouse, and TikTok, but visit my website if you want more information about me and my coaching services. You can join my safe for work or not safe for work email list, which I call the dirty bird. If you want less censored content about sex and relationships and want to know what I'm up to, please subscribe to that list. 
send me an email, Kristen at Open the Doors Coaching, if you have a question, want to book a session, or want more information on my upcoming workshops. My theme song is original music by M. Kusa. Until next time.